Welcome to Every Step Podcast. I'm Christina Weston. And I'm Judith Beck. Every Step is the podcast where career and life meet. Hi, everybody. It's so good to to be here for our second episode. And we've got some great topics today, Christina. And we also have our first pop-in guest with Luke Farr from The Luke Farr Show, all the way from New Zealand. Thanks, Luke, for coming. <laughs> we need to have the applause machine. Yay. <laughs> exactly. And <Zerg> canned laughter. <laughs> I need to find that. I need to find something to do that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And we're going to get right into it um, because we've got so many topics to cover in the last couple of weeks that, that have um, hit the airway. And one of them is about, I don't know, Luke, if you know who this person is, but there's a a politician by the name of Barnaby Joyce here. And he says that his late night lie down, in other words, someone took a picture of him on their phone as he came out of a restaurant and uh, he had a little lie down on the footpath. And <laughs> in the subject of many a mean, many a mean. And he says it was a big mistake and it blames. And he blames mixing medication with alcohol. Boy, I don't know how many times I've done that over my life, right, Christina? (laughs) (laughs) That's an excuse we can use. Anyway. (laughs) He's um, had a bottle of champagne and some Valium, clearly. I've just looked at the video. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. Well, the, the, the issue here is how does your brand kill your career? Like something like this where here's a person who's in the public eye um, and he's supposed to be someone, politicians and CEOs and senior people are supposed to be people we look up to and we respect. And when this happens, is this going to kill a career? Or in the case of Barnaby, probably not, because politicians seem to get away with a lot of things. Um, but brand is very important these days when everything is being videoed. I mean, what do you guys think? I think there's two sets of rules, one set of rules for politicians and another set of rules for all the rest of us. If, you know, if he was a senior executive, if he was running uh, a, biz- a big business and was high profile and somebody took a photograph of that, it, he probably wouldn't have a job right now. Um, or he would be, you know, there wouldn't be people standing around saying, oh, we need to look at his private life. Gee, maybe there's something else going on. No, there'd be none of that. It'd be like, I'm sorry. You don't drink. You don't behave like that. You, mm. you're in the public eye. You, you've got to be on. You've got to be presentable, respectable the entire time. There is no on-off. There's no after hours when you're a high-profile business person. Yeah, absolutely. Luke, what do you think? Yeah, that's interesting. I, the the element there, like to. I mean, at the end of the day, there, there shouldn't be two sets of rules, right? I mean, it just, yeah, like you said, it seems like politicians can sort of get away with murder. However, I think when you look at anyone uh, anyone with credentials like that and of a high status needs to hold themselves accountable a lot more so than, I guess I don't want to sound prejudiced here, but... You know any any Joe blogs who's not in the public eye or in in media can have a lie down, get away with it, and no one thinks anything of it. But they're both fundamentally doing the same things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the end of the day, if he actually mixed alcohol with some 
prescription medication and is semi-unconscious or potentially maybe about to have a heart attack. I mean, he, he's physically compromised there, if you know what I mean. So, uh, But then the, the next line of that is saying, well, if you're going to want to get inebriated and intoxicated to that level, do it behind closed doors because you do have a responsibility to maintain and you are a public figure. Yeah, I think there's another angle to this story in that um, his workplace had only just closed. So he'd only just left Parliament. He'd only just left his workplace or not long left his workplace. Well, maybe he had some champers before he left. Well, maybe. (laughs) Well, you know me, I've said this over and over again throughout the years. The reality is, is that work is work and People, when they have functions and they provide alcohol and people don't get the idea that they shouldn't get drunk at a work function or at the office, then you do kind of question their in- intellect because, yeah. I mean, you really got to do everything these days as if you're being watched. Well, you are. Through a lens. <laughs> Look at social media oh, now. You are. That's exactly right. And people are are waiting behind the scenes, especially people who are high profile, to catch you out. Mm. And so if you don't look at that from the point of view of I need to behave myself until I'm in my own home where I can close the door, I can drink whatever I want, if that if that's the case. Um, mm. But when you're in public, you got to be careful whether you're a politician or whether you're um, uh, in, a, in a career high profile high profile or not because over the years i've seen many people kill their career and their brand because they've gotten drunk at a function they've said the wrong things they've they've um insulted somebody whatever the case may be it it doesn't mix alcohol and career doesn't mix (laughs) you you really got to watch yourself and i think to luke i think to luke's point um if you're going for a job and you've been a party person and there's a whole bunch of stuff about you having a wild, wild time on social media, people are going to see that. Mm. So that's going to impact your brand when you're going for a job, going for a promotion. And that could you could just be an ordinary person like us, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And on your point earlier, and it does seem to be that they get a unique set of rules, these politicians. I mean, even our mayor here in Wellington, Tori Farnow, it was all over the media. She walked out on her table bill, uh, didn't pay, uh, and then tried to take the bottle of wine, or um, you know, tried saying things to the waiter, such as "You don't, do you know who I am?" type thing. I mean, that type of behaviour. I mean, she's still in that role, but I mean, if that was to happen, like you said, to any executive, they'd be fired the next day. They'd be fired. I mean, she at least went back the next day and paid for it and said sorry, but then, but then. There were just a, a number of events, you know, her just obviously constantly drinking, but then apologizing. And then all of the other counselors around her were saying, oh, yeah, well, we're all heavy drinkers and sort of justified it. And I was just like, she's the mayor of our city and she's getting away with this. That would not, you wouldn't get away with it in the corporate world. You'd be no, gone. No, exactly right. And also, too, why are taxpayers responsible for the alcohol of politicians? Exactly. That's a good point. That's true. At the end of the day, we're paying for their alcohol and their and so really I don't even know why that why it should even be provided. In Australia, they've raised the tax on alcohol again. So maybe they're maybe that's their way of contributing 
<laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's a creative thought there, Judith. Though. I didn't think of that angle, but you could be right. <laughs> you are in sales. You really yeah. sold that. <laughs> if only. If only. Oh, my God. I know. It's unbelievable. If only. Well, Okay, well, no, that's good. I think we've covered that one. Now, the, our next topic is about young managers. So there's a lot of young managers out there who are in their um, early 20s who have stated that they feel that they need to hide their age because they've got um, people reporting to them that are boomers, you know, that are a lot older than they are. So should should a young manager feel the need to hide their age and why? Confession time, confession time. Um, when I was a young executive coming through the ranks, I actually went out and bought plain glass. I didn't have vision problems, but I went out and got glasses to make myself look older than I was. Wow. So I was early 20s. I was um, I just finished financial planning diploma. I was going out and seeing clients and I was like, uh, yeah, early, early, mid-20s, I was so young, so young. And I actually felt it then that I was going to struggle to be taken seriously because I was so young. So I didn't tell anybody my age, but I clearly looked really young. And I'm going back quite a few decades now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so how many years ago was that and how old are you now? No, I'm just uh, not, not, not saying. And look, and, and you raise a very, very good point. I think it, it works at both ends of the spectrum. I think there are challenges for, for some people that are young and bright and have got the EQ and have a kind of a managing people and they're going to intimidate people that are older and think that they've done more service and they're more deserving. So I think there's that young end of the spectrum. But there's equally people at, at the older end of the spectrum that have a lot of experience, a lot of maturity, and there's that judgment against them because they're too old. So at our end of the spectrum, we're doing a whole bunch of things to try and look younger. You know, women are, women and men are getting um, Botox and fillers to look younger, and it's not just women. There are a lot of executive males that are and people in careers that are um, are having those sorts of procedures done, yeah, um, even even eye yeah. surgery to look younger. So, and th this is not gender specific here. So there's people at the other end of the spectrum that want to stay relevant and not appear old that are doing a whole bunch of things, colouring hair, you know. Well, you should watch the movie The Intern. That's a good one if you're a, if you're a young manager because um, that's a perfect example of um, how it works. And I was a young manager too in my early 20s. And I think if I was giving anybody advice that they that are young managers, the thing I would say is that um, th there are benefits that you can um, gather from the more the, the older the older um, people who are reporting to you. So you so so gather their wisdom, get them get them involved. Don't I, I think what happens is that if someone if older employees sometimes think, why did you get that job over me? Why did you you know you're only a, a you're only in your twenties and I'm in my thirties and or forties or whatever and why did you get that job? So um, that's not your fault that you got their job. It's their fault that they didn't get the job because they've obviously done something. And the thing is, is in your teams, you got to nip it in the bud um, with those people who are not on your bus. 
because if you can't get them on your bus, they're going to cause you problems. And you have to try to do something to win them over as far as uh, letting them know that you have certain skills that you can help them with and they have certain skills and that you're working together as a team. But mm. don't let them intimidate you. Um, and you've got an open communication right away. Otherwise, mm. it will drag on. Yeah. Isn't it interesting, though? I mean, yeah, young people wanting to look old and old people wanting to look young. But I think there's the perception versus reality and the perception being that obviously the seasoned veteran is going to be far more experienced than uh, than the young associate coming on and but obviously role dependent here and industry dependent but i think tracking back into looking at actually the deliverables of the role and we shouldn't just assume that just because they're young they are not going to know as much i mean there, there are elements there i mean people heading towards their end of their careers the the debate there is well are they as passionate are they as innovative are they as hungry to seek out new subject matters i mean there could be a, a a young candidate coming through who is absolutely a weapon, pretty much, and a wizard. And we can't just discount that because, oh, no, they're only 25. Exactly. It's like, so therefore, age, to me, doesn't really matter. It's the, it's the substance and quality you bring into the table. I don't really look at age. And no, I wish everybody thought that way because that's the way it, it should be. It should be around your passion, your skills, your competence. Yeah. And age, age shouldn't be relevant, but unfortunately, society, culture. It is, but I think it's a bit, I think that's slowly, I hope it is slowly changing because I do think that is more the boomer and older generation thought process. Yeah, and it's also too, they'd be thinking the, pro the problem, but, but even way back when, like even... Uh, when I was the first manager in my 20s, I had the same issues with the older people. So it's more like it's more the, uh, the people who think that they lost something and you got something and they don't think it was fair. And that's where it's um, always going to happen. In it's always going to happen. And to your point, Luke, the, the, the reality is I remember at that time I got the job. I remember I got the job because of passion and energy and knowledge of, of in a certain area that those people didn't have, but they had knowledge that I didn't have. They had maturity and life skills and things like that that I could learn yeah. from them, which is always going to be the case when you're younger and older. But the younger managers coming, they, they're far, they're, they are so much farther ahead in technology that they can really help the older ones come up to speed in technology and processes and new ways of thinking that mm. the, the older ones haven't even thought of yet. So they mm. actually can help each other if they try, if they just open up about, you know, open the communication, but it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to, to change someone who's got to be in their bonnet. So if you got somebody in your team who's got to be in their bonnet and they think they've been done harshly or whatever, you really got to, nip that in the bud yeah in your first few months of being a manager a young manager you got to nip that in the bud and have that conversation with that person so they don't try to derail your journey and right. yep. you know you can spend a lot of time trying to um, sort people out like that and that's a waste of time you got to nip it in the bud and get some help get some help yeah. from an advocate or mentor 
who's who's outside the process so that you can bounce um, ideas off of while you're going through that new journey as a manager. I think you yeah, hit the nail on the head there, Judith. I think it's around having the conversations and it's about being intentional about that. So I think the worst thing anybody could do is just realise it's happening and go into avoidance and just go, oh, they're not they're not doing whatever it is that I'm asking them to do, or they're not being a team player because um, you know they are judging me because of my age. That's the worst thing you can do. The best thing you can do, and, and I've been in this situation. I was a young senior executive. I came into teams in corporate environments where the people were a lot older, and initially they were judging me. But over time, and it was because. We, I put the time into getting to know them, getting to respect them, getting to understand their skills. There's a lot of corporate memory with people that have got seniority and just leveraging that and embracing that and celebrating that. But you've got to have the conversation. You've got to engage them. You can't do it via email. You can't do it via text. You can't do it any other way. You've got to actually sit down and have conversations. So work on your emotional intelligence skills if, if, if that's what's going on for you. Because they're going to have all the skills of the new job, but as a new manager, they won't have the skills of managing people. And that's what's going to be different for, for them going into that role. And then um, the other thing is, is that they do need to learn how to manage older people because they they do need to make sure that when I say older people, anybody in their team, they need to, the communication style of how to to get people on board and to deal with them needs to be the same and not condescending. So if someone who's older doesn't know something, you as a young manager, the, the worst thing you could do would be to come across as condescending, like, what's wrong with you? Why don't you know that? Because that's going to stick with them for a long time. As, as far, and that's going to cause... so. As a manager, you got to do what's required, and that's manage. Manage the process, manage the personalities, manage the behaviors, everything that comes along. And that's not easy to do. And and as a first-time manager, you really do make need to make sure that you have some help in your corner and don't and don't be afraid to ask people. Get get somebody outside your current organization who's had a lot of management experience to guide you when you need it. Yeah. Exactly. Very true. Nah. Based on that, that age-related one, just quickly, though, I feel as though like industry-dependent, like if I was to look at like lawyers, accountants, or doctors, and I had two in each room that had, well, were doing fundamentally the exact same role and the same JD job description, but one's 25 and one's 60, for a lawyer, accountant, and a doctor, I'm definitely going to go for the older. I'm choosing the older one. Absolutely. You know I mean? Like that's where age does come into it. I'm like, well, you're both doing the same role, but man, you've just done more heart surgeries than this guy. <laughs> well, okay. Here's a question: Would you go for the? Let's see, because for me, let's say a doctor, the heart surgeon, you wouldn't go for the youngest one because they haven't had enough heart surgeries. You might not go for the oldest one because maybe they're not up to date on the new technology. That's exactly. I'd be going for someone in there. I've just I've just gone through this process with my mum. My my mum's <laughs> had um, a neurologist that she's been seeing, and she's seen different people at different ends of the age spectrum. And she's now finds found somebody who's in his forties, I think. And I went, oh, 
perfect. Like you've got someone that's got a bit of experience, but they're at the peak of their career. They're still learning. They're still engaged. They're looking at you holistically. They're not looking at things in a, in a compact way. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting how we've applied judgments around if you're this age, you're going to be like this. And if you're this age, you're going to be like that. And what I've just said then is a judgment, right? Correct. And, yeah. and it could be very, it could be construed as ageist. Yes. Like everything. So it's all, I think, I think the moral of the story is, is check out the the backgrounds, the skills, the experience do references, all the things, because maybe, maybe the young little genius is the one that should do the heart surgery. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Absolutely. Maybe. maybe. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> but I definitely know who will beat me at tennis if we're going to talk about sport, and that's not the 80-year-old that's been playing 80 years. <laughs> it's the 25-year-old because he'll run rings, you know. 80-year-old <laughs> might have a better quality shot, but he's just not going to last the distance. So it just depends. <laughs> and how old, are we, uh, how old are you when you're too old to lead? We've got some issues in the U.S. at the moment in terms of leadership, right? How old are you yeah. when you're too old to lead? Old to lead. That's well, a good topic. And and that's that's a case of where um, it ne you need to be open minded and not set in your way of thinking that that you know one person could be okay and another person might not be okay and some somebody else you know there's all different there's differences and that's why we have diversity as well so you can't be set in your ways to think uh, only um, this person only young people no technology and you know because there might be some old people that are really good at technology you know so it's right. really keeping an open mind right yeah yeah 100 it's about moving the prejudice and assessing each human at face value and considering all the factors not just age age might be one component but yeah looking at it holistically and we're exactly. not very good at that none of us are we're not very good at that no no we're almost one track mind yeah. And I think I think the the key is when assessing whether or not someone is um right or wrong for the role or for whatever it is that you're looking at, you gotta ask questions. And you gotta you gotta ask questions, do your research, and and um look at past behaviors, because past behaviors are a predictor of future behaviors in a lot of cases. So look at look at the examples and when and not just take everything off face value. You know, there's more agree. to there's more than that. And, and speaking of questions, anyone that asks probably the better questions I've ever heard uh, in uh, uh, across podcasting and in recruitment would be you, Judith, wouldn't it? Really, I mean, <laughs> a, a recruiter is the best person for diagnosis and questioning. I mean, yeah, you you your role is just constantly in discovery, and the better <laughs> questions get the better answers, right? Well, I have this theory: if I'm not totally clear about it i keep asking <laughs> if they haven't if they haven't answered the question fully i keep asking and if it doesn't make sense to me to me i keep probing if somebody tells me they can't do something or this can't be done and it doesn't make sense to me i have to have more information she does it to me all the time luke <laughs> When you, when, you do, when you two are both just just sort of going a semi-off topic here, but I, I take it we can talk about anything on this. <laughs> we can uh, talk about podcast. anything. But I mean, 
But I mean, in, in, ladies, in your 20s to 30s when you were both dating, I'm just wondering who would have asked the most questions on the date. <laughs> oh, that was very good. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I I think I still I still ask a lot of questions. I find I ask I ask more questions of others than they ask of me, and that's one of the things I just I just do and have always done. So consequently, I get to know a lot about other people, and they don't often get to know a lot about me, unless they're also oh, good at asking. Oh, questions. very oh very oh very strategic. I mean, look, dating, it's that's not strategic. It's to, just I like asking questions. To, <laughs> I just yeah, like asking. similar questions. to a job interview, really. I mean, it's. Getting to know the candidate, <laughs> identifying whether or not they're a good product fit, so to speak. And yeah, I had two. I had two two issues, two things that were on the focus back then: um, ethics and ambition. So oh. I needed to know the person was ethical and that they had ambition. And so those were the. Um, and I remember one time my uh, sister sent my niece over. She was. Um, Oh, probably about eighteen or nineteen. Sent sent her over here for me to look after look after her for vacation, and she was dating some cowboys. And my sister said she's dating this cowboy, and I want her want you to sort her out. <laughs> Come over, and I'm like, oh, you picked the wrong person. We'll be taking her out to the pubs and the <laughs> anyway. We did, we did, we took her out. We had a great time. And the last day, I thought, oh my god, my sister thinks that I'm going to have to you know, change her perception because she was going to um, veterinarian school and she's a very smart girl and she didn't yeah. want her to get derailed. And so anyway, I just said to her, I said, oh, and I heard you've got this new boyfriend and he's a cowboy. Oh, yes, he's so cute. No, I just like him so much. <laughs> and I go, well, what does he do? And she goes, well, he works at the gas station pumping gas. So, you know, they're 17. And I, and I said, look, at the end, at the end of the day, there is absolutely nothing wrong with anybody who's pumping gas, but does he want to own the gas station? Mm. And she goes, "Oh, I don't know." Anyway, she broke up with him two weeks later, and I was the hero. <laughs> yeah, she broke up with him because the answer he said was, "No, I'm just having to work here for forty years and retire and get my severance." <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Right? No, there's, there's, no, there's not. There's no, no. But it's just, but it, it's just, it's just subjective and down to the individual and what you want. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree with you on that, Judith. I don't want to be a woman that's just in a gas station for forty years. I mean, that wouldn't really inspire or motivate me, and our relationship would just end, regardless of how gorgeous she is. But yeah, you. So, but some people, yeah, I think, I mean, like-minded, right? Like, like it's law of attraction. You often find partnerships they're cut from the same cloth, generally. You yeah. very rarely see, a, you know, a, a billion dollar recording artist like Rihanna dating someone like me who earns maybe a hundred grand a year. This is not going to happen. I mean, there's, I, hope, I, there's hope for you there yet. Is hope, but <laughs> it's pretty real there. Yeah. I don't know. Taylor's in town. Tay -tay. Is she in town? Tay Tay's in town. Is Tay Tay in town? What do you mean in Australia or in Wellington? In Ma in Melbourne. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought you were in Hobart for. Oh. No, I'm in. Yeah, I am in Tasmania, but Christina's in Melbourne. I'm just oh, close. Okay. I'm close right. to Melbourne. <laughs> well, she got a lot of hype on that social media. I still haven't gone deep enough, but I, do, I apart from I know that she's dating the guy from the Chiefs who played at the Super Bowl. But 
There was also a deeper meme there, and I haven't gone into it, but she's getting a lot of clout. Not that she needs it, like, but everywhere you go online is all about whatever she's She's a, she's a very successful businesswoman. You know, I got it. There, yeah, what, there is one thing about this, though, because there was, and this isn't one of our subjects, but seeing that we brought up Taylor. Um, <laughs> she's yeah. getting more attention now. <laughs> I know, I know. But Harvard, Harvard has a subject that that you can take at Harvard just on Taylor Swift. Now, I'm sorry, but that just brought Ivy League to me thinking they're, you know, they're the best down down about five pegs because oh, I agree. Yeah. seriously well, depending, I mean I depending it, on what the subject matter is I mean if it's a case study and looking into how she's been her brand awareness to talent to her business and strategy and everything and it gets to the nitty-gritty then sure yeah. but that could be part that should be part of their marketing courses their, their marketing a part of a because there's more than Taylor that has done well within within marketing you think come on is there not a better? <laughs> but maybe maybe Tay Tay's the exception to the rule, though. I mean, I haven't looked into the depths. So I can't comment on it. But maybe they've chosen her for a very specific reason. Is it a, is it a course, or is it is it a course? Is it an actual diploma, or a degree, or a or a it's subject? A, you get a credit. It's a it's a uh, course you get a credit for. And... I'm actually keen to take this course now that you mentioned it, Judith. <laughs> and I'm also keen. Do, what, as part of the course, do I get to get one-on-one Zooms with Tay-Tay? Yeah. <laughs> I think, See, I think so. it's a strategy to get more people to study. <laughs> Maybe it's a strategy to get more people to go to Harvard, although I would have thought people would want to go to Harvard anyway. Hmm. Uh, you know what? This is a this is probably a podcast in itself. We'll have a Tay-Tay podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But but it's it's really kind of like what are we teaching the you the people coming up that it's important because only so many people are great singers you know great good business dancers, people present well. There's only so many people that are ever in their whole life going to get anywhere near what she's gotten. So therefore, what are we teaching? How many likes to get on social media? How to get like what what are the learnings from it? Um, because you've got to have a talent a really good talent and not just the talent, the brand and everything else that goes with it to, to be able to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, you know what the situation, we just lost Luke. We did. No, no, I think no, I'm still with you. Don't worry. No, I, I was just going to say, Judith, I can do, I uh, can, can run a little longer. It's just that um, I'm trying to find a silent area because I'm, I'm getting my carpets cleaned and you know, it sounds like a, a, a rodeo and Taylor Swift's home. <laughs> But we, we can't we can't hear anything, so keep chatting. Oh, you can, oh great. Okay, yeah, we'll keep going. Yeah, we'll keep um, going. Um, yeah, very, very great topic. And uh, to conclude, I'd definitely like to sign up to that Tay-Tay course. <laughs> so, should we, so we jump to our last our last little last little topic, the right to disconnect. That's exactly right. So basically bosses could soon be fined if they keep contacting workers after hours under new laws. The new laws will allow workers to approach the Fair Work Commission if they feel they have been inappropriately and repeatedly contacted by employers and managers outside of work hours. So should there be fines for being contacted outside of work hours? What do you guys think about this one? This is a complex... This is a complex one. I think it's, it's, there's lots and lots of facets to this, and, and it's one extreme is it's open to abuse, and the other extreme is that 
Yeah, there are there are people that are being taken advantage of. There are some jobs and some roles and people aren't being paid appropriately to be on call. But if you're on if you're in a job that you're expected to be on call, then you should be being paid to be on call and you should be on call and you can't complain about being on call. But I think part of it's also boundary management. If 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 your boss chooses to write you an email at two in the morning, that doesn't mean you have to respond. Turn your notifications off. You don't have to respond until you know, unless you're in a job that requires immediate reactions. But for most of us in jobs, that's up to us to manage our own technology and our own notifications and our own kind of noisiness of our technology and respond when it's appropriate to respond. But that's that's for us to manage. We've got to yeah. take some responsibility there. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, no, I, I agree with all of that. And also I think there's an element of, uh, it, it, yeah, it, it, it's like you said, so many facets. I'm just trying to sort of break them down in my and obviously thinking out loud here. Um, but the 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 biggest thing is also down to you know how how passionate are you about your role? For example, Spot like on. if I if how passionate are you about your role? If you live and breathe your role, and I'm trying to think of a case scenario here. Let's say I'm aiming to be the CEO of Saatchi and Saatchi and advertising firm as a case scenario, hypothetically. I mean, I don't think I'll get there with my current uh, CV, but anyhow. <laughs> uh, but, like, if I am that hungry and my reporting manager is reaching out to me late in the evenings on a topic of something I, you know, it could further my development on or need a task uh, to be done. I mean, I'm I'm going to jump at the opportunity, right? And it's also dependent on whether or not I've got a family or if I'm single or if I've got the time to to do that. But if but if I'm single and I've got no other commitments and I'm trying to get to the CEO level, if he's reaching out at 9.30 at night, I'm going to be well-received on that versus the person that works a nine-to-five in their contract and their boss is asking them to complete a task by 8 a.m. and sending an email at 7, that's not realistic. And that person that doesn't necessarily maybe like their 9 to 5, it's just going to, it's going to be a different way of interpreting it. So, yeah, like you, said, like you said, many facets, and it's it's how you look at it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. And, and then, to, sorry, to your, to, your, to your question about whether or not there should be fines, uh, I think in terms of, Certain scenarios, you you could enforce uh, a fine, and and it depends on the context and the matter and how they've reached out to you, and if and if it's going on for a long period of time, it could be like a three strike rule, right? The employees turned around and said, "Hey, look, Mister, can you not reach out at that hour?" And I'm I'm not actually contractually obliged to deliver at this time, and so therefore, if he keeps going on on the third, there could be a fine. So. Yeah. Let's go back to your advertising agency scenario because I think that's a really good scenario because that's one industry where um, I hear frequently from young execs that that industry does tend to use and abuse their young talent and they are put mm. on stupid deadlines and they're working round the clock and they're not being paid appropriately for what they're for what they're doing and there are a few industries like that. I know I agree wholeheartedly with with your initial comment, Luke, because that's what I was when I was a young, a young thing coming through. I was working seven days, I was in the office at seven, you know, I was putting in the hard yards because I wanted to get noticed, I wanted to get ahead. But mm. at some point, um, if you're not being paid appropriately for that level of contribution, 
then there's obviously something that's wrong there. And then that comes down to the conversations that you were just, you know, you need to have a conversation, you need to negotiate, you need to speak up. Because, um, you know, it's it's complex. I just, I, I, I look at it from, here's another thing that um, employers are going to have to try to dissect. And then as far as whatever happened to responsibility, and why can't it be looked at from a more of an educational point of view to say to employers, your productive your productivity increases by X percent if your if your employees have a better work-life balance. And so things like contacting them after hours and on the weekend is actually going to go against your productivity and sort of trying to go down more of that educational um, path, because there will be people who will also take advantage of this as far as being upset with their employer. They contacted me at 545. But the other question, as a as a past employer, I never contacted anybody on the like the only time you would contact somebody is if you needed something from emergency, them. urgent. Yeah. Urgent. Or or because maybe they didn't put notes in the system like they were supposed to and you had to follow up and get clarification because you didn't really want to do it. Now, I know our industry was um, a lot different than a lot of industries that are having these issues. And there, there must be an issue for this to be taken to this level. Um, but I just wonder whether or not we're, look, we're looking at it all too long. And how many more rules and regulations are we going to have? It's kind of like. Yeah, it starts to, get, starts to get very political, doesn't it? And, it does. It's, uh, it's I mean, and look, if there's blackmailing involved, certain industries that I know are super competitive, you know, if someone's working at, you know, PwC, Ernst & Young, all those big law firms, and if the managers are starting to create a narrative around saying in the sense of, oh, hey, look, well, old, well, old Joe or Susie's doing way more hours than you and really showing her grind, obviously I'm going to promote her. If you're clocking off Wayne or or Sarah at nine to five, how passionate really are you to climb the ladder? So, so there's certain elements where I think shaming, yeah. There, there's got to there, there does have to be sort of um, pretty set rules and regulations around it because it it can get yeah. quite cunning from because you look at it from a perspective of the partner at the firm. I mean, they're just breeding a competitive ground, right? And Everyone's just fighting a lot of hands to get to the top. So they're like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to work till midnight then. If Sarah's, you know, so I think it's, yeah, this go. And input doesn't, doesn't, yeah, input doesn't correlate to output or productivity just because you're there for 14 hours doesn't mean you're actually getting good stuff done. Your focus is off. And these are the programs that instead of to be legislated, they should be developed through the HR areas of these organizations and they should be putting it out like, and I know there are a few companies that do have a um, no contact between certain hours. I know yeah, it happens exactly. in, in France and Paris. They have that. You can't contact. Teachers, teachers had it put into their awards too, I think. Cause they were and getting it, contacted and I get that. Yeah. I get, I, I get that, that, that is, but it's kind of like, there's just so many different and. Because really, if someone is contacting something somebody a lot after hours or on the weekends, then that could also fall into bullying. You know, yeah, so yeah, that, that's, a, that's, 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 that... that's true too. Yeah, I mean, how do you define bullying? And there, there's definitely workplace bullying, and 
what's the criteria on bullying? I mean, look, if someone's got a deadline to meet and they haven't met the deadline, like, yeah, you need to be grinding till 10 or 12 or until the deadline's met, right? Because that's down to your JD and what you need to deliver in that role. But if you've delivered in your role and your manager just consistently keeps reaching out and like, i.e. trying to further your workload or increase your capacity and not paying you for it, then yeah, that could fall under the bullying and therefore warrant a fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, first a conversation, I hope, before it gets to... <laughs> well, yeah. you know, I remember one time I went to I went to California and there was this place called Carlsbad and they had this beach there and there were these two huge big signs with about 50 different things you can't do on the beach. And my husband and I were sort of sitting there reading, 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 and I'm going, why don't they just put one sentence what we can do because (laughs) (laughs) they got all these rules and regulations it's like oh my god you know you're only allowed to do uh breathing (laughs) that's right go sit on the sand and that's it (laughs) well hey i think we've we've come to our time and and we've covered some good um subjects one subject that i think we want to uh, cover next time christina is um triggered I'm like so. Oh over- yes, everybody's being triggered by everything at the moment. So, so that's a good one. That, so next, stay tuned for our next episode where we're going to talk about triggered and what 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 we're triggered. I'm triggered by the word triggered. <laughs> 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 so we'll we'll do that. So thank you so much, Luke, and everybody should watch the Luke Far show. It's fantastic. Thank, and, thank, um, thank you for plugging that, Judith. And <laughs> the audience, I did not pay her a fee to say that, uh, just to caveat. No, we love it. And we love having you on. And thanks for being one of our popping guests. I'm sure we'll have many, many uh, more conversations this year. Yeah. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you thanks, so Luke. much. Appreciate coming on the show. Love what you're doing. Love the insights that you're sharing. And uh, great conversations. And look forward to many more in 2024. Thanks. Wonderful. Thanks. See you later. Bye. Thanks, guys. See you. Bye. For more information about Every Step and our guests, head to everysteppodcast.com. To be notified of new podcasts, please subscribe via your favourite listening platform. And, of course, follow us on social media and direct message us to share your ideas about guests or topics.